I'm Leo Lasella. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Astral AR. And I am Jose La Placa Amigo, CEO and co-founder of Astral AR. Yeah, we're here to talk about our mission and our values. Welcome to Mission and Values, a backstage capital podcast about remarkable startup cultures led by underrepresented founders. I'm your host, Brian Landers. My guests today are Leah and Jose, the co-founders of Astral AR. For full disclosure, Backstage Capital is an investor in Astral AR. Welcome to the show, you two. Hey, thanks, Brian. Great to be here. Thank you very much. Before we get too deep into exploring your company culture, can you tell us, what is Astral AR? So we build the world's most advanced drones. And our goal is to maximize human life, actually to maximize our life, quite frankly. Our core values are... Diversity, transparency, and saving the world. Awesome. And what are some of the products that Astral AR offers? We build drones that stop bullets. Uh, we have an urban fire drone. We have... Help me out, Jose. Uh, we have uh, Charlie. Uh, it's a drone that actually goes into burning buildings looking for people. When it finds a person, it uh, sprays its payload, a uh, fire trident foam that turns out the fire... The firefighter can then communicate with the person inside the building and assess if they can walk, so on and so forth. Unless there's anybody in the building and they can't move, no one needs to get into the building. So, presto. We do also uh, drones to uh, detect bombs and uh, firearms as well for uh, prevention of violent incidents. To eliminate use of force, police use of force. And all that kind of good stuff. That is incredible. Okay. So we could probably do a whole show just about the awesomeness that are the drones and the products you offer. Um, <laughs> but this show is about your culture and your team and what makes you tick. So I think it's accurate to say that you are both a typical startup founders. You're certainly special individuals. From the, the little I've gotten to know you, I think you're both amazing. Ah, uh, shucks. <laughs> I want to ask each of you a quick question about your past, since I'm curious to see how maybe that impacted what you're up to now with Astral. Leah, we'll start with you. Did you really hack NASA with a toaster? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yes, but they paid me for it. Oh, it's a twist. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. They asked for help. I helped them, and they were very grateful. Um, one of my original co-founders, actually, uh, she worked for NASA. And that's part of where that comes from and how it was that I ended up getting involved in helping them. But, yeah, the toaster... <laughs> a toaster is a small Nix appliance, just to be clear. This is a triple entendre, and it's a reference to Toasty, um, since our drones are, in that sense, they are flying toasters. Indeed. If you've noticed, our logo is a small flying toaster. I have noticed. Yes. And this is very, very deliberate, because we do not build weapons. We will never build weapons. Our drones are actually designed to resist weaponization to the point of they will suicide. They will kill themselves before they will allow themselves to be used to harm people. Mm-hmm. Our logo is toasty. It's not tough. It's not pointy. It's not scary. It's not threatening. It's just a friendly little smiling toaster. <laughs> Tracks really, really well with police, believe it or not. Wow. It's, yeah, it's completely non-threatening. It's harmless. Friendly little toaster here to help. I love it. Okay. And Jose, did you really have to splice fiber optic cables while being shot at? Well, uh, technically, those two were separate events. Okay. Um, and, and I was only <laughs> shot once. Technically, they hit me twice. Oh, wow. But they missed. They were like two inches of my heart. So they weren't good shots. 
Oh, wow. Thank goodness for that. Uh, you know, the trick there, the lesson there is <laughs> do not get shot. The human body does not respond well to such trauma. Uh, go figure. <laughs> Good lesson. <laughs> We've instituted a strict not getting shot policy. Uh, <laughs> Happy to hear that. Yeah, 100% bullet free. The whole thing got started when my family left Cuba on a convoy of uh, three boats when my mom was nine. Two of those boats sank. If it wasn't for the United States Coast Guard, I would have died. Well, actually, I would never have been born. So when um, certain things in this country's history happened, I enlisted. 9-11. Indeed. And I scored really well on the ASVAB test. So they gave me a few jobs and I like comps. So like, yeah, I can splice fire optics. Heck, I could probably give everybody in the city free internet. And I'd probably be bringing a couple of major laws, so I won't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, how did you two meet? Oh, my God. Role-playing game. <laughs> role-playing game. It's actually much nerdier than anything we've said so far. Uh, it was a uh, tabletop role-playing game. I was running a game, and uh, Jose was, uh, he was one of the players. And that was about 10 years ago. Memories. Memories. So how do you go from a role-playing game to starting a startup? She found out what I did in the Air Force. Yep. And then I found out he was running a coffee shop. And I was like, if he can run a coffee shop, he can hustle and he can keep his cool. Like I said, uh, he can tree splice fiber optic cable. That's hard enough to do it while getting shot at. Yeah. Talk about grit. There's grit. Yeah. If you hear about VCs, look for grit in founders. I think we found it. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Returning to Astral AR. To get some context on the size of your culture, about how many employees and locations do you have now? Uh, Chicago, St. Louis, Austin, Shenzhen, China. Mm-hmm. And I would say, now I have been making me think about it, 16 at this point? I believe so. Yeah. 16, okay. Is it because, do you have a remote team, some remote? Mostly remote, mostly. About half of the team is here in Austin and about half the team is remote. Um, we're not choosy. If you can do that work. We build drones, for God's sakes. If yeah, what is remote for a drone company? Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit ridiculous. You do have a sort of headquarters in Austin, Texas. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Austin, Texas. Yeah. Tell me about that. What is that like there? So Area 52. Oh, exciting. <laughs> and uh, we're actually located, this building that we're in, uh, it used to be a Greyhound, an old Greyhound bus washing station. Wow. So it's huge. This is built out of Carnegie Steel. Yeah. So it's got to be 100 years old. So we just know the uh, bus washing depot and a couple other things after that. Uh, but we suspect it might have been a bit more than just that. Totally. Yeah. Sometimes we lovingly refer to it as the garage mahal. Yes. <laughs> I love that. And why did you need such a big space? So that we can test the drones. One of the things that our drones do is autonomous collision avoidance which we test, I mean, right here, there isn't a whole lot that'll stand up to those carbon fiber rotors, but these steel I-beams will. Yeah, Carnegie Steel will take a carbon fiber drone. Yeah, so the landlord allows us to do this. Actually, the landlord allows us to do ballistics testing. I know I said we have a strict no bullets policy. I may have fudged a little bit. (laughs) Because you have to test out how to stop them. Exactly. And we can do that inside. This building is strong enough that we're not going to punch through any walls. This is brick and steel. That's incredible. With such a kind of distributed team, what's the typical way you communicate with each other? Do you use chat apps or, you know, video chat? How does that work? Slack. 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 And uh, G Suite, pretty much. 
Yeah, it's pretty much all G Suite. Most of, of what we do in G Suite is, you know, creative related documents and so forth. Got it. But yeah, our day-to-day communication takes place over Slack. We do team meetings, video chat. Just because I'm friends with some of the Slack developers does not mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's actually, it's a great utility because it allows us to maintain control of... I mean, we're doing R&D and yeah, there's the whole intellectual property. Yes, we have to lay patents on stuff. Um, with that in mind, we don't do it to patent troll. We do it so that we won't get pushed out. Mm-hmm. And also we protect our IP because we can see how easily some of this stuff could be weaponized and we have to proactively work to prevent that. You make it very clear on your website. You absolutely have a remarkable and inspiring mission at Astral AR. Can you share with people what that is? Uh, Yeah, we stop bullets. And the point of that is uh, we are making war obsolete. Tell me more about that. Maximizing human survivability. Our drones are designed so that people are not put in a dangerous position. Take a simple task of screwing a light bulb. Add a skyscraper. And all of a sudden it becomes a nightmare. Yeah. With our drones, that person that changes those light bulbs... Still has a job. Yep. And they're not risking their lives. Now you can telecommute window washers. Yeah, that's exciting. And that's just one example of all the ways you're doing amazing things at Astral. Yep. Anytime you need to be in two places at once. Uh, One of the current uh, projects that we're working on allows us to detect landmines. We can detect uh, heartbeat and breathing through up to 30 feet of snow or mud. Whoa. Yeah. uh, FEMA has expressly asked us to develop this technology to allow them to assist in uh, avalanches and landslides. Situations that you don't necessarily want to be anywhere near personally, but maximizing human survivability, go find the people who are trapped out there and save them. Yeah, Emma, a drone can find someone very fast or a human being. A drone uh, by itself can't do much, but a drone being controlled by a human expert, now that's a winning trifecta. Yeah. Emergency management is its own study, its own field. And, you know, a commercial or professional drone pilot is also its own profession. So having the ability to pilot a drone without requiring someone also become a drone pilot, that's one of the things that our drones allow you to work around. Got it. So I think there's definitely mixed perceptions about drones these days. Yes. I mean, people seem to love them for like taking selfies and those beautiful aerial videos that used to be only possible with helicopters. Mm -hmm. But then other people are worried about invasion of privacy. There's always some secondhand story about damage caused by drones. Oh, yeah. And some companies are literally working to arm drones with guns. Uh While you, you know, completely the opposite are doing everything you can to stop bullets. Go ahead, Jose. On the arming thing, uh, I just have to say, taking a violent situation and adding more weapons... It's not a good way to resolve <laughs> Counterproductive. a situation. Uh, so yes. like, that's why we do that. You know, with all that in mind, was your intention, your super clear intention to use drones for good in any way, a kind of reaction to that? Or you yeah. know, what was the reason for your flipping the sentiment there completely? Actually, we already have laws to protect our privacies. We just need a way to enforce them. Yeah, this is applying those laws and just using them accordingly. For example, we have trespassing laws. If a drone gets into an area where it's private property, even in the air, it has to be like- 500 feet. Bingo. 500 feet above private property, 
or is trespassing. But if you're flying over, for example, private property, punching through someone's roof or someone's windshield, the laws that currently exist protect, for example, a homeowner or, you know, the owner of a vehicle or whatever from that type of damage. Mm-hmm. Got it. To be clear, because there's something kind of creepy about, yes, we can see guns and bombs through walls. Yes, we can see through walls. We can check your heartbeat. We can check your breathing. And that's kind of creepy if you think about it in the wrong context or, you know, what happens if this falls in the wrong hands? Because obviously those wrong hands are out there. Yeah. So we've designed it expressly to have a limited amount of time that it can do this. How interesting. Mm-hmm. So you're sort of building in safety mechanisms. Exactly. Wow, that's incredible. Bingo. Also on the damages thing, there's a very uh, common mess story out there about using drones to hit airline planes. Oh, God. Let's put this in context. Even if you could An hit the, uh, airline, the air turbulence is so much that like, you would need the help of the pilot to hit it. Yeah, the pilot of the airliner, yeah, has to help. Right. And he has to help 500 times before he can actually do any damage. That stated, the threat that they pose is actually to rotorcraft, like helicopters. And that's only if they're flying above them. Yeah, you have to kind of drop a a small UAV. They don't weigh enough. Um, (laughs) We have videos where we were actually invited to fly with the National Guard. It's the only, we work with the, the National Guard anytime they want us to. So we were asked by the National Guard to fly with the Blackhawks, which is kind of unheard of. It's a, first off, it's a rotorcraft, it's a manned vehicle. And not only that, it's, you know, the big birds. And you can see us struggling, struggling to maintain our... Uh, <laughs> our lift. Uh, yeah, our position is, I mean, we're a good 300 yards away and we can barely stay in the air against this, this massive transporting vehicle. But why, do, why save lives as your mission? What was it in both of you that made you want that to be your core mission? <laughs> it's good business. Ooh, interesting answer. Yeah, it is. It's extreme. Like, first off, it's really hard to argue with that. Like, you know, hey, we're not here to, to blow up the children of other women across the world. No, sir. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, we're here to prevent that, actually. I mean, it's amongst the things that don't exist and need to. I mean, it comes down to everybody who wants to be shot, please raise your hand. <laughs> there you go. Making things designed to save lives, to improve their life, their safety, improves overall quality of life. Quality of life improves. A rising tide lifts all ships. Bingo. Increases wealth for the area. And the more wealth it increases, the more wealth we gain, the more wealth. It's like a cycle. Mm-hmm. Business aside, it is a little bit personal. I mean, like, for example, the very first drone that we developed is the uh, the fire drone. I mean, the very first thing that we realized is what we had. And when we realized what we had and what we could use it for, a friend of mine, I don't know if you're familiar with the West Texas disaster. No. West Texas is not far from Bryan College Station. It's not too terribly far from here. There was a fertilizer plant in West Texas that exploded. It exploded over the weekend. Uh, it caught fire the West Texas Volunteer Fire Department, um, and a large portion of the Bryan College Station uh, firefighters ran into the building looking for survivors. Now, it was the weekend. They had no idea whether or not there was anybody even in there, as this is a nitrogen-based fertilizer plant that hadn't been serviced in 40 years. It's super explosive. They ran inside, and there was no one in there that day, and then the plant exploded. They were all killed. What a tragedy. So you heard this while you were developing the prototypes? I had a friend who was on the Bryan College Station Fire Department. Wow. 
It was a friend of mine. He's not a firefighter anymore. So yeah, like I said, when I realized what we had, that we could build a drone that could fly into a burning building, looking for survivors, looking for someone to save. But then it occurred to me, once the drone gets there, this building is burning down. You have minutes at most to save someone. Let's make those minutes a bit longer though. Yeah, let's make the most of our time. If you find someone, what do you do? You've already got the drone in place and it doesn't matter what happens to the drone. We can build another drone. You imagine like someone's knocked out, passed out on the floor. They're unconscious, but they're alive. You can tell the difference between a living person and say a knocked over mannequin. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And the building is unfair. What do you do? Buy this person time. They're unconscious. They're unresponsive. The firefighter's going to have to go in there and get them. Deploy a canister of fire retardant foam. You've just bought yourself time. And yeah, you have enough time for the firefighter to run in. The firefighter knows exactly where they're going and what they're getting into. Mm -hmm. Grabs the person and runs out. And that route that the firefighter took, he or she knows which spots are more dangerous than other spots. So they can already be prepared at those spots. Real-time analysis. Things like, for example, the floor here is about to cave in. Go around that spot. Right. You know, the drone can fly through conditions that a human can't. They get through those conditions and find someone. Okay. They're trapped, but they're responsive. They're, oh, I'm okay. I'm all right. You know, um, you know I'm trapped. I'm, I'm okay. I'm all right. But there are six people behind me. You know, go that way. Because they can communicate through the drone. Yeah. And so the, the drone goes that way and finds six knocked out people and it deploys its canister of fire retardant foam. And, the you know, you get the idea. This is incredible. So I can only imagine what thinking of these kinds of scenarios and, and actually building toward living these scenarios would do to your team and would do sort of the psychology of your team and, and uniting around that mission. Oh, yeah. So I'd love to dive into your core values. One of your core values is diversity. Mm-hmm. What does diversity mean to you guys and your team? I'm sorry, I don't want to say you guys. What does <laughs> diversity mean to you and your team? Well, to be technical, to be strictly technical, my actual title is uh, chair whim of the board. Chair what? Whim? Chair whim. Yes. Love it. Yes. I am the chair whim of the board. And Jose's actual title is El Presidente. Hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> One of the, uh, the most compelling skills that anyone who wants to join Astral can have, especially developers, uh, do you speak Spanish? Well, also by what we mean by diversity is just a mix. If you just have carbon copies of yourself, it's an echo chamber. You're not going to like create anything like worthwhile. It's just going to be boring. Mm-hmm. We built this team out of our own network. I was a developer for the better part of 15 years. And so for the majority of Astral's existence, we have been hilariously, ridiculously, almost absurdly <laughs> technically heavy. Had very little marketing, very little business um, because Jose and I are both technical. And that was one of the biggest challenges that we had to overcome was not, I mean, I built the prototype in about six weeks in the summer of 2015. Oh, wow. Super fast. Yeah. So when I replaced myself, you know, as our primary developer, I replaced myself with a CVAI PhD. That's a lot of letters. I know, right? <laughs> Computer vision, artificial intelligence, PhD, licensed helicopter pilot, immigrant. Immigrant, huh? Indeed. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's Dr. Neville. And that's another key thing, too. Diversity is not just diversity of people, but also diversity of skills. Like you mentioned, we were very tech-heavy, which is great for making the tech, but also for marketing said tech. So, like, we needed to diversify into being able to go into the marketing part as well. Right. Yep. So, diversity is not just, like, just race or gender. It's also skill sets. Yeah, great point. 
we are probably 80% women, uh, people of color. And this is, you know, because like I said, we built this out of our own networks of our investors, especially when Arlen joined us. This is Ar- Arlen Hamilton, the managing partner of Backstage Capital. Yeah, Arlen Hamilton. She's so cool. She's so cool. Oh my God. I agree. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when she, uh, when she went in on us, all of the other money that had gone in on us uh, to that point, they were all developer friends of mine. It was all, you know, a bunch of nerds. <laughs> Who could actually understand what you're up to. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. And I mean, these are, these are my former bosses, my students, my coworkers, my colleagues, people that I'd worked with extensively. And I learned from Arlen that that is an extremely compelling sign to an investor. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's actually, it took us a year just to explain to Arlen what we were trying to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> because we don't, yeah, we, we don't speak investor. We don't speak financial. We actually had to bring in a CFO to be able to uh, communicate for us. Very smart. Oh my God. Yeah. Our CFO is so cool. She's so awesome. That is so cool. I mean, I got to say like you have one of the most inclusive cultures I've ever heard of. I know you've made efforts to make each individual on your team feel included. Can you share some of those with us? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, okay, we have a thing that we call proactively progressive, and it is actually written into our company policy. Like, for example, transition support. Uh, you'll find that right between smoking cessation, Jose, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> tuition reimbursement. And we're talking about gender transition? Yeah, transition support. Um, like, basically, it, it comes down to if you have a situation that you're dealing with, First things first, the first thing that you'll become aware of is that we're not the enemy. In fact, I realized early on is one of the most powerful advocates for equal rights for transgender people is the employer. Right. The employer has a very powerful ability to assist. And like, for example, um, a lunch and learn. Everybody get together. There's going to be a change. The employer has the ability to help everyone adjust and, you know, let everyone know that this is going to be different from, you know, this point forward and help everyone, you know, kind of get on board and uh, adapt to that. With like the pronouns and... Exactly. All this stuff, it can go very smoothly for people. All people have to do is just not be jerks about it. It's not awkward unless we make it awkward. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't have to be awkward. It doesn't have to be difficult. And it's a way of signaling to the community in general that this is how it's going to be. And this is normal. These are our people. Yeah. And that this is a way of influencing society at large. As an employer, this is normal. It's normal in Astral. It's going to have to be normal with our partners. It has to be normal with our vendors. It has to be normal. We have the ability as an employer to not just support internally, but to be agents of change, of necessary and needed change outside of our organization by advocating for our employees, for the entirety of our team. It goes both directions. That is so cool. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Hey, well, you know, I mean, thank you for acting right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you're not welcome. No cookies. <laughs> the whole point of this, because we're very small. For now. Well, yeah, but it's not just us. It's to act as a model. This is what it looks like to act right. And that's actually come into play. We've actually had uh, large organizations, and I mean large organizations, adopt our model and adopt our policy in their HR and their, uh, their corporate cultures. Once they saw, this is what it looks like when everybody just acts right. And then having a model to actually implement. It's like open source. That's actually happened. Open sourcing the, like your playbook, essentially. Mm -hmm. Leah, you totally don't have to share about this if you prefer, but (laughs) I think it might be inspiring to anyone out there who maybe identifies with you. And is it, this is something that's less talked about in terms of diversity. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned in regards to starting a startup, you said, quote, 
I knew the path of a neurodivergent female founder is seldom traveled path in the startup world, end quote. So what does it mean to be neurodivergent? And has this trait about you had an impact on how you and Jose are shaping your culture? Um, I would. Okay, so I get this question a lot. And this question is, it amounts to, what is it like to be autistic? How the hell would I know? I've never been not autistic. <laughs> um, with that stated, <laughs> um, seriously, I know that I am, I'm blind to a certain amount of the, uh, the hostility and a certain bandwidth of um, the negative. Uh, I, just, I just don't see it. It's, you know, hooray for being autistic because I don't have to put up with that shit. Uh, can I say shit? You sure can. Yeah, totally. Yay. Awesome. I just did. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to put up with it. Um, I don't see it. I don't notice it. And I know that other people's diminished expectations of me, I know that they exist, but I can't see them. And in that sense, it, that works immensely to my favor. Autism is a communication disability. It's, um, I have it as well. It's kind of like being deaf. And people being upset at you because you're not lip reading as well as they want you to, instead of them learning sign language. Mm -hmm. People with autism tend to be very straightforward. We tend to be extremely literal. And if we go yeah. into tangents, we tend to like go on that and we miss subtle uh, words and subtle indications that... We miss the cues. Yeah, we miss the cues, especially the negative ones. It's one of those whole, you know, oh, you have so much energy. Well, I mean, do I? Uh, we're making war obsolete. Isn't that something to get excited about? That seems kind of weird. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> is, though, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's that whole, one of the things that's actually the most difficult for us to deal with is when we are assumed to be sarcastic, when in fact we are being absolutely literal. It's one of those things that you have to grow to understand as an autistic person, that when people say, oh, you're being so sarcastic, actually, no, I'm being dead literal. Mm -hmm. But to a neurotypical, uh, that apparently reads as extremely, just savagely, viciously sarcastic. Ah. Um, and that's probably the most difficult thing that we run into. It's very, very painful when that happens, especially because the more earnest you are, the worse it gets. Yeah. Do you feel like this sort of um, awareness you have about yourself in terms of communication, has that sort of made you more welcoming to the ways that different humans, wherever they fall on any kind of spectrum? We have to. It's a survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People with autism, we tend to be a bit more empathic than uh, neurotypical people. We don't express our emotions uh, well, uh, we come off of being wooden sometimes. We can read each other very, very well. We are told by neurotypicals that we are wooden, which I never ceases to entertain us because we're not wooden. Uh, we just don't walk around with our emotions just all hanging all out there like underpants, you know. Uh, put, <laughs> put that shit away. Um, I have to tell you, I totally disagree. I don't find you wooden at all, like not a bit. Oh, bless you. I find you passionate and That's, inspiring. And I would say you're probably on the spectrum as well. Um, probably. <laughs> probably. You have a core value of transparency. Mm -hmm. What's an example of living up to your transparency value you can think of? I mean, it seems weird that we chase after patents, for example. One of the reasons why we chase after patents is because once it's patented, it's entered into the public sphere. And that's, that we, I mean, that's very much so by design. Benjamin Franklin saved thousands of lives because he invented and patented the pot belly stove and then the Franklin stove just let people use it without like enforcing those patents. 
you can choose not to go after someone that uses uh, infringes on the patents. There's this company, the Lukehand Project. What they do is a nonprofit that gives arms to kids that never had arms in the first place. They were kind of like infringing our patent, mm. but at the same time, they're giving hands to kids that never had arms before. Yeah, giving arms to armless children. And okay, so as far as, you know, this might be getting a little too close for comfort for uh, one of our patents, we'll just license them. They're a 503. Crushing non-profs is nowhere in our business plan. Right. <laughs> you know, withholding arms from armless children. What kind of <laughs> asshole does that? We will share information. We will share uh, stuff from us to help others simply because being obscure is just a waste of energy and time. In this day and age, everybody figures out everything. That's really inspiring. That's such a cool extension of your mission too. And, and just what a great example of transparency. So thank you for that. One thing that fascinates me about company cultures is how they celebrate wins. Um, I've asked this question to a bunch of companies on the podcast here. Some have said, they like to, you know, celebrate by eating pie and banging a gong or <laughs> sending each other success tacos. That was Kairos. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Going on a team outing like bowling or getting many petties. So how does the team at Astral AR celebrate wins? Oh, my God. <laughs> memes. Memes. Lots and lots of memes. Oh, yeah. I love it. We have company songs for one thing. They're uh, like, for example, um, El Aguante, which means to endure. It's a song by Calle 13. It's a band from Puerto Rico, and it's a pretty good song. Mm -hmm. And so, like when yeah. we post it up, and like everybody listens to it, <laughs> we share like gifts, memes. Like I said, like uh, the Burger Cat meme. Oh, nice! We will make our own emojis. Oh, very cool! If you're in any of the slacks that Astral AR is present in, you will notice that there is a there's a drone emoji in every single one of them. <laughs> and that is, by the way, that is a tiny, tiny toasty. Tiny Toasty. Yep. Tiny Toasty. Astral AR's friendly dr drone. <laughs> yeah, friendly little drone. One of the other things that we do, uh, I mean, it's hard for us to do this, but whenever, anytime we've got, especially people from out of town together, so we'll all collect in, uh, usually at HQ, and just fly the drones, which is its own reward. I mean, you just slap on the headset and think bank left. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Especially now that we have the full HUD on the uh, demo model. Yes. Now that we have the full HUD, it's, uh, it's, it's ridiculously cool. That's cool. And what a, what, that is like the most meta way to celebrate too, is to use your own product. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say this way. I'm not going to take any trade secrets or say anything that might be on uh, the works, but there's a certain movie. Ooh that uh, you feel kind of like that character. Yeah, there's a certain uh, superhero that everybody wants to be. Ah. It's a superhero who can fly and has a lot of like really high-tech stuff. And Yep, yep. I'm, I see where this is going. Uh, yeah, you know that guy. N not saying any names. Yeah, and it's, yeah. It's, not, yeah it's not Forrest Gump. Right. <laughs> um. <laughs> that was my guess. <laughs> <laughs> one of our first uh, decks, and it was one of the ones that we sent to Arlen, I think, and she laughed about it. No, our tech will not make you Batman. Iron Man, maybe. Batman, no. <laughs> um, and no, it will not make you, it'll never make you Batman. Yup, yup. But a Batman meme, that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm just blown away by how wonderful your mission is, how inspiring your products are, what you're up to. I can kind of tell you think, why would you not do this? But most people are not doing this. And for that reason, I think it's just wonderful that Astral AR exists. Are you hiring? And where can people find out more about you? Toast at astralar.com. 
that's our email address for uh, all those questions. We hire depending on necessity, skill, and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, another uh, key thing here too, I'd like to say this, we are not special. Uh, what we're doing, it could have been done about 15 years ago. It's just a monumental like work. If a human being can do something, any other human being can do the same thing. It's just a matter of being able to get to that point. That's really cool. I like that way of looking at it. Do you have a Twitter account that you want to share or a website? Uh, yeah, astralar.com. It's astral underscore AR is our Twitter account. And uh, Droneberry, Brary, that's, uh, that's our, our blogger. Very cool. Oh, I didn't know about this. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll check that out too. So yep. everyone go follow him and check him out. Leah and Jose, thank you so much for your time today. You're both, uh, you may not be special, but I love you. <laughs> um, awesome. I appreciate it. So I was happy to have you here. We love you too, Brian. Indeed, indeed. You can find show notes at backstagecapital.com slash mission and values. Let us know what you think of the show. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Landers. That's B-R-Y-A-N-L-A-N-D-E-R-S. You can also email greenroom at backstagecapital.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review in iTunes or share it with someone to help bring more attention to startups like Astral AR and founders like Leah and Jose. The theme music is by Shane Ensley from the Kneebody album Antihero, available at kneebody.com. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next time on Mission and Values. 